space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back talking about, we're still on Barclay, we've got a few more Barclays to talk about. This is the last TNG appearance, and um, we're yeah, also... Well, we've already done uh, First Contact, haven't we, where he does drop Yeah, up. yeah, we've done First Contact, so th this is the last last episodic TNG Barclay appearance. Uh, season 7's Genesis, which I, I don't mind it, but it's got a bit of a reputation, but we'll um, we'll get into that one. And then we're also looking at the next step in the what we're calling the prelude to the Dominion War because it's got a bit to do with shapeshifters. So we're counting it and yeah. we're looking at the alternate from DS9's second season. Before we get there, though, Elliot, what uh, what 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 Trek news have we got this week? Right in uh, well in Trek news, um, Kate Mulgrew did a interview. Uh huh. Uh, about another show she's working on, but she spent uh, a couple of minutes talking about Prodigy. All right, I missed this. Go on. And she's let us know. Um, I'm quite sure now that it's not going to be Voyager because she says um, it's literally. She's told us how the first episode is going to start. Right. And we have uh, five the five children. Like there's going to there's six that we've seen, but one's a robot. She says there's five children, mm -hmm. and they're being held prisoner. On a uncharted, on a far off planet, unknown planet, in an uncharted part of the Delta Quadrant. Right. And they escape, they're <coughs> running away across the planet, and they stumble on a desolate starship. Right. And they're trying to get it working, and one of them leans on a button, and Janeway appears and goes, What's up, kids? How can I help you? Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> well, it so... sounds a pretty cool opening. <laughs> But yeah, yeah that, that's good. That's, that's that... as far as she's gone, but that's, like, more than we've yeah, known. Yeah, it's way more. I mean, that that's good, though. That's enough to tease you. And I imagine yeah. that'll be the teaser, and then we'll get the credits. But, yeah, it's enough to yeah, get you wondering. She, she said it's set... Um, oh, what year did she say? I can't remember what year she said, but it's set four years after Voyager returns from the Delta Quadrant. Right, OK. Oh, that's interesting, so I'm then. wondering... I'm wondering if there's another stash, another Federation ship that's been sent out after Voyager's got home mm. and they've used, like, some of the bog technology on Voyager to open Maybe. a warp con trans-warp conduit and sent a ship through to sort of... Yeah, it could well be. ...meant to say hello to people <coughs> and it's just ended up crashing in the wrong place. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah, no, that sounds exciting. Excellent. And um, we've got a, a shout-out, have we not? Yeah, um, what, about an hour and a half ago from when we were recording, um, Puppy and Locutus, who play a game with me, uh, <laughs> Star Trek Fleet Command, in, my, in Alliance, I mean, um, they had a son at 358. Oh, congratulations. So just want to say big congratulations to the pair of them. Yeah, definitely. Are they, they going to go with a, a Star Trek name? They haven't said yet. It's, no, well... All they've said is... Baby and mum are fine. She's just very tired now. I That'll don't think do. they'll be watching live, but 
that's, we'll catch us later. That's all we need to so know. So stay us on a rerun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, let's look at the first one. The, the, as I say, the last Barkley episode, TNG Season 7, Genesis. And as I said, this one... You tend to see this on the the list of like the bottom ten TNG episodes, which I think's a bit harsh. I think I think if you're doing a bottom ten of TNG, there's no excuse for anything that isn't from season one or two making up that top ten yeah. for my money. I mean I, there's maybe one I, or two dotted I, around, I, but This is another one that's it's quite an enjoyable episode. Yeah. It's just, the premise of it is like a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, this is this is sort of taking the the weird virus thing to the the extreme, isn't it? Yeah. And and it's built upon. I you know I I'll admit I don't keep up with my science journals and stuff like that, but I do remember at the time this came out, this idea of junk DNA was something that people were talking about like i remember uh, it were a big thing in the x-files wasn't it like they talked about how it i'm sure it turned out that in the x-files everyone had junk alien dna because the aliens had been on earth before us and... yeah and uh, it's it's t-cells <laughs> and t-cells are sort of a resident evil thing as well oh, of the, course yeah so the t-virus so yeah I, I remember this being a thing at the time i don't know whether this is still where it stands in modern scientific circles, whether whether we still have spider DNA in us or, or whether they've decided that it was yeah. a bit of a daft idea. But at the time, I think, I think this was, was quite topical. Like, I think it's that sort of thing that they sort of say, like, you, you share 98% Genes with goldfish and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see these things because we, the, we have the same roots and stuff. So I think it's sort of yeah. Like I you, think they're sort of going off that, aren't they? Yeah, you see these things on Facebook that'll crop up every so often, don't they? And they say things like, "Did you know you've actually got more in common genetically with a slug than you have with a chimpanzee?" Or, you know, I've I've made that one up, but you know, things like that. Yeah, that crop sort up. of thing. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's a good idea for uh, an episode of Star Trek. So we start off then, and we've got Riker is in sickbay, and he's been on a date, and he's been rolling in the cactus in the Arboretum. Obviously, you know, we don't need to tell you what the implication is, but that's not very professional for your your first officer. Like, you go for a walk in the Arboretum and well, all you can see is Riker's ass going up well, and down behind the cactus. He goes, um, <coughs> the new lieutenant uh, on board. Yeah. So it's someone who... It's sort of someone's come on board and thought, oh, I'll make a move there before anyone else gets Yeah, is this like, you know, is this like a a sort of casting couch type of thing? Because we know that Riker does the performance evaluations of the crew. So I'm sure there's a conflict of interests here or something. But anyway, Riker's been up to a bit of shenanigans and, you know, we're not, we're not slut shaming him or anything. As long as it was all consensual and everybody was happy, I just think yeah. maybe the Arboretum's not the best place for it, Riker. But anyway, and he'd agree with me because he's got cactus up his ass or whatever he's got at the start of the episode. <laughs> and 
Barkley's in there as well, and we found out that his hypochondria has not got much better since last episode. And it's almost yeah. now it it we've sort of crossed the border into just out and out fast with it really. Like any sort of degree of seriousness that we were taking Barkley and his concerns about his health and stuff. We're just playing it for laughs now because he, he thinks he's got Torellian death syndrome and then it's like, well, you haven't got that also. Maybe I've got this instead. And it is just totally played for laughs now, isn't yeah. it? Like, what gets me here is, and this crops up again later in the episode, just how rubbish Dr. Dr. Crusher is made out in some episodes. Oh, yeah, she's rubbish. He's, got, he's, he's obviously gone in as a hypochondriac and he's going... I've got elevated blood pressure. And she sort of looks, oh, you have? Like, she's been scanning him with a tricorder <laughs> yeah. and looking at stuff and going, there's nothing wrong with you. And then he goes up and he puts his finger on. I'm assuming it's a blood pressure monitor. Yeah. And she goes, oh, you have? And then goes, oh, you've got so-and-so flu. Yeah, that's pretty bad, really, isn't it? Oh, 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 but you... I mean... you um, not dealing... Your body's not dealing with it because you're missing... Uh, one of your T-cells. Yeah, shouldn't that be in his file? Oh, so he has got something wrong with him and he's incapable of getting better from it without medical assistance. Yeah. So you've just been going to him. There's nothing wrong with you. Stop yeah. reading medical journals. Like, is it that she is just humouring him by going like that with a tricorder and not checking? Yeah, she's like, just... Possibly he comes in every day. Yeah, she's playing like Candy Crush on Tricorder and not even doing a, a reading on yeah, him or something. Yeah, maybe it's become that... It's that sort of thing that it's become so common in coming in with things not wrong with him. Yeah, it's like the boy who cried in wolf. In medical journey, journal that she's just not even checking anymore. Yeah. Which is a very dangerous premise to have, as we find out here. We do, yeah. And he gets a shot for it and obviously... We're going to find out what a mess Beverly's made of this as the episode goes on. But um, meanwhile, we've got Spot, who's now a female cat, which she wasn't before. Spot was always a male cat. And now, then this to be episode. Fair, this does happen. Like, um, with my ex, we had a cat. Yeah. And for several years, he was called Andy. Until he had kittens. Right, okay. So you think this is data's just so, not and, and he had been and he'd been he'd been checked with vet by the vet and the vet had told us because he was a rescue cat. Right. And the vet told us he's a boy. So <laughs> Well that's it. I mean cats they, they it it don't dangle down, does it? You know, a dog, it's easy yeah, to tell, no. but a cat it's all sort of kept up there, but You'd think by this point they'd just do a scan and go, it's a boy cat or it's a girl cat. Well, you would. But, but the yeah, we need Spot to be a girl cat for this episode to work, so fair enough. I'll go with your explanation. Data didn't check when he got Spot, just decided he were a boy. He possibly asked Beverly Crusher because we actually see how slack she is in this episode. There you go, yeah, things. she's she's we've not... We've already seen with Reg Barkley, she'd missed him as ill, and that is, he can't deal with it himself. Mm. <laughs> and I like that um, 
if you've got an ill pet, there isn't a vet on the Enterprise. It's like, nope, sick bay does it. We animals, humans, aliens, um, one stop shop. Said, this actually this makes sense to me because they do all alien medicine yeah, as well, don't they? So they're not they're not like how we are. How you have a doctor who deals with humans yeah. and a vet deals with animals. A doctor in Starfleet has to be able to deal with lots of different species anyway. Especially so. cats as well, because you've got that, what's her name, Merez, Emrez, whatever she were called in the animated yeah. series. and in um, You have them in Star Trek V. And Lower Decks as well. So, yeah, they're, uh, you've probably got to know your cat stuff at least. And Nurse Agawa, we find out, is pregnant as well. And that's the end of the teaser for this episode. We've mentioned this a few times, how some episodes just have the naffest teaser going. I mean, yeah, the idea of the teaser is... This is quite... It's actually quite a long teaser as yeah. well. It seems to go on quite, quite it does. a long time. But, the you know, the idea is you watch the teaser, you grip, and in America, often straight after the teaser, before you even got the credits, you would have a commercial break. So this has got yeah. to be good enough to keep you invested. Or, oh, right, I need to know what happens on Star Trek this week. There's a cat and a nurse that are pregnant and Barkley thinks he's got a weird disease. You know, is this because this is season seven? We know that this is our last season. We're not as fussed as we used to be for getting you gripped. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it was announced quite early, wasn't it, that this would be the last yeah, season? Yeah, and it was... I mean, the like, thing... There was, there was originally meant to be eight seasons. Yeah, I, mean, I think... The and it was because the studio made the decision that they'd go into movies with them. That's it, they wanted the movies. Why they didn't get season eight? Yeah, exactly. Because TNG was wildly popular. Um, but So... The main part of the episode, then, we lose a photon torpedo, and quite out of character, Picard decides, I'm off on this mission, which he doesn't usually do this kind of thing. Um, I mean, fair enough, maybe not, he's just a often. bit bored, he just wants to get out there. Yeah, I, like, I get the impression that the the on a weapons drill, mm. and... He's not actually neat. It's it's Worf and the first officer who are basically doing this. Oh drill. yeah, exactly. He's this just is... sat in the chair, not really doing anything. Yeah, this is Worf's big thing that he's doing, and he's designed this new program and everything. And yeah, so... I've increased uh, the accuracy of this missile that'll go out of control. Yeah, that I've just <laughs> lost straight away. Yeah, not 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 Worf's best day either, but. Um... So Data gets Barkley to look Which, after Spock. Uh, this is never explained throughout the episode either. We never get an explanation why we lost the missile. No, it's true. I just thought it was because Worf's guidance system won much cop. No, th- no, because he checked all the all the, all the torpedo system and all, all right. the torpedo, and the torpedo checked out fine. Okay, but we um, never because Riker says at one point, "Oh, well, it must be." In the torpedo tubes, in the firing mechanism, but yeah. it never actually gets explained, so... You know what? We we need to lose a torpedo to get Data and Picard off the ship. That's why we have yeah. to lose a torpedo. We need them at Guffin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Barkley's going to look after Spot, and apparently Spot's been attacking people left, right and centre. You know, it's only Barkley that she can actually put up with. 
Which, you know, are you allowed vicious animals? I mean, I think all cats are vicious, so I suppose yeah, if you're going to um, keep a cat. Cats are funny who they like and who yeah, they don't exactly. like. And meanwhile, Worf's getting... This is the first hint that something's going wrong. Because Worf's getting unnaturally angry about his, his torpedo drill and everything. And Riker tells him he's got to take a break. And then we get this horrible scene in 10 Forward where Worf's just stuffing his face with all this food and there's octopus tentacles and all sorts uh, in yeah, there. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I was watching this and I'm thinking, this was done in the mid mid well, mid to early 90s. Yeah. This episode, sort of 94. Yeah. And back then, having things like octopus wasn't... It wasn't something people would recognise. No, I suppose not. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So it, they, they were using octopus and that because it was meant to be he's having a big plate of Klingon food. Yeah, it looks really exotic. It's to look and, really alien. <laughs> and it's, it reminds... It's amazing that you look at it now and like you said straight away, he's having octopus and all this. But at the time, we weren't meant to know yeah. that. We were meant to think he's having this elaborate alien thing. Yeah, that's and it's a just very lost good point. now. <laughs> And it's it reminds me of that scene in uh, The Return of the King where Denethor's eating that food and it's horrible and it's going all over <laughs> his hands and everything. And when what we probably should mention, I mean, it plays into this episode quite a lot, is that this is the point in TNG where they decided randomly that in the last half of the last season we were going to do a romance story between Worf and Troy. And so you get a lot of this stuff sort of crammed into these episodes. And I I wasn't is, a hater of because, it. It's odd, really, because they could have done this for several seasons with Warp and Troy. Of course, yeah. And because, like, we had Troy was very involved, um, like, when Warp gets uh, paralysed. Well, yeah. And we in have the... with Alexander, she was involved in stuff. And yet they, they weren't romantically involved back then. No, and in the... I think it's in Parallels, they, in the alternate timeline, they say that that's when the romance started, don't they? Um, yeah. But it's... I mean, I didn't hate the Wharf Troy thing. I thought it was reasonably well done. I believed it. It's just that it doesn't go yeah. anywhere and it's never mentioned again, which is... Yeah, it was like... It's just sort of like forgotten by the time movies come around. It's not happening anymore. Yeah, exactly. And Worf then, we have this scene where he like tears up his bed and he decides he's sleeping on the floor. Where's Alexander at this stage? Shouldn't Alexander be somewhere in the quarters going, hang on, Dad, what are you doing? I think he got rid of Alexander by now. I thought he'd got him back again at this point. I know that he comes on. And with Kayla, and then it Worf sends him away to live with his parents on Earth. But then he, I think he comes back in about season five, and then he's there yeah, till the I, end. I'm, I'd have to really look into it when Worf gets rid of him again. No, he must have him because the, this isn't. There was fistful of daters. We covered that one, and Alexander was there then. That was yeah. season six. So unless something happens in between, yeah, we'll check it. But I think it's a bit weird. Anyway, um, and then we've got Barkley being really hyper. Now, I think 
Dwight Schultz is channeling a bit of Jeff Goldblum in the fly with his performance in this episode. <laughs> Particularly yeah. in the briefing scene later on where he's sort of hovering over Riker. And a lot of his physicality and like the way he's sort of ticking and everything, it, it really reminds me of how Goldblum played it in the fly. And I suppose... You know, turning into a spider, not that different to turning into a fly. So if you're going to look for a reference for your performance, why not? And we get all this stuff with Worf. So Worf bites Troy and he attacks her when she's in a bath because she's wanting moisture and everything. So we find out she's turning into a she fish. Wants- is it she wants moisture and it to be and it to be hotter? It to be hotter. He, he's complaining how hot it is. Yes, when they're on the bridge, yeah. So they're arguing about the heat yeah. and then he finds her in the bath uh, and attacks her. And then when Beverly looks at him, he's developed a venom sack and he spits acid at her and everything. Now, this is the other one that I want to go on about, about Beverly not being observant and all that. Yeah. Because she's absolutely... She's examining Worf for quite some time here. And then she's just about finished with him. And then she notices <laughs> the big gland on his neck. Yeah. I'm not being funny, but it's out here. And she's about to send him off, but there's nothing wrong. And then she goes, oh, what's that on your neck? As if it's a little pimple yeah, or spot. That's one and of... it's a great big bloody gland out here yeah. that she's not noticed. That's all one the of time. the first things that doctors do is they do, they do that, where they feel your glands. And... I'm not being... I'm not being funny, but as soon as he walked through the door, you'd be, what the hell's that on you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not sort of, after I've finished all the exam and I can't find anything wrong, Yeah. I'm suddenly going to, oh, what's that? Yeah, a Klingon it's walks bloody. in with a massive big thing outside of his face. Maybe she's just not very observant. Um, well, obviously not, because she didn't notice Barclay. Yeah. <laughs> was ill. Exactly. <laughs> And other things going on. We I quite like the way I like the way the cast before we get the time jump and Picard and Data come back. I like the the way they start bringing stuff into the performances. Like Riker's sort of being a bit indecisive, and he's like, "Oh, Data, you you sort you know, Jordy, you sort that he's out." Be, and he's being forgetful and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit where I think it's just before it goes to another commercial break and. It's just Riker sort of staring out into space and the camera sort of freezes on him. And then in the background, you've got Nurse Agawa walks off and she's walking like an ape, the way she moves her hands and everything. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. And then we do get the time jump. So Picard and Data are coming back. They find the ship adrift and you you get like the Enterprise at a different angle to what we usually see, which is nice. And yeah, obviously the toast drive has failed. The what? Yeah, the toast drive, yes. Yeah, anyone who's <laughs> not familiar with the toast drive, look look it up. There's a good meme that explains why the ships are always pointing the same way in Star Trek. Um, and it's one of these where, you know, we had this on Voyager, didn't we, with Macrocosm, where someone gets back to the ship and it's really spooky and all the lights are off and yeah. they've got to wander around and work out what's happened. And they end up at Troy's quarters, and basically she's turned into, like, an amphibian. And my first thought was, they must have, um, while Picard and Data are away, they must have broken Warp 10, because 
that's what happens when you break warp 10 is you turn into a big amphibian <laughs> well so... we didn't know this at this point <clears throat> we didn't but you Never know Barkley, Barkley might have because he like with his spider's powers he is becoming a bit more clever more yeah exactly yeah he could have done it and he, he's taken he's to... having a flashback to was it transfigurations that we did uh, 9th degree where he took him to the centre of the universe yeah exactly so yeah. yeah it could be could be and then they find Riker in the ready room and he's a caveman now basically uh, this looks like he's eating the fish tank it does doesn't it yeah yeah so I hope not yeah, I, I, hope... I think he emptied that fish tank oh no not What's he called? The fish? Livingston, I think. God knows why I know that Picard's fish is called Livingston, but <laughs> um, hopefully he didn't. But may- maybe they have to replace it with Livingston 2 and hope that um, Picard doesn't <laughs> notice. Oh, you know what? If they can't fix Councillor Troy, stick her in there once she's turned into a little fish thing. You can, <laughs> you can do that. But anyway... And, yeah, we work out it's to do with this T-cell thing and all t- yeah, ties got, back to we've that. we've got the helmsman's dead at the controls. Oh, yeah, yeah, a bit of gore. Get a little bit yeah, of gore like, in the episode. This made me wonder because we do find out, like, Worf has changed major predator, but yeah. these are a predatory species, people who change. Well, yeah, I mean, humans are and quite I wonder uh, how predatory. Many, how many of the crew were actually killed before the cure with them. Yeah, it's a good point, because you're right. Like, they play it up in this episode like Worf's the only really dangerous one, but even things like the there's, well, g- there's got to be some Vulcans on the ship, and we know that earlier well, Vulcans are really savage, so... Yeah, but, like, the doer... Data does a scan, and he goes, there's 110 life signs mm. on the ship. Now, I think at the time, the crew was 1,018, was it? Yeah. But the, he just says life signs. His cat's just had kittens. Yeah, that's true. Um, we find out in another episode when Data finds out that Spot's pregnant that there's nine felines on yeah, board. Yeah, there's nine other be. cats. Nine male felines on so board. So we yeah. can knock off ten there as these life signs plus the kittens. Let's say there was four kittens and a small, yeah. small thing. So 14 of 118. So we've got... 104. So I think we're missing people here. Yeah, I think we've well lost quite right. a few Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, speaking of the kittens, like the poor bloody lizard that they got to play Spot. So it's like, oh, the kittens are okay, but Spot's turned into a lizard. And it's there with a <laughs> collar on it and everything. Like, poor little sod. <laughs> uh, brilliant. But. And they work out, basically, the kittens were okay because of something in the womb. So, therefore... we embryotic fluid. That's it. And so we need to find a pregnant human so that we can synthesise it all and blah, blah, blah. Though, why you need... I I suppose if the the virus has come from a human, a human DNA will fix it. You don't need a pregnant person of each species, I suppose, to fix it. Um, And this is where... We get Spider Barkley when they go to engineering. And, yeah, for anyone watching the live stream, there's a picture of Spider Barkley. It's pretty cool makeup, to be honest. I think it's really good makeup. Yeah, it's proper, like, horror stuff, isn't it? You know, that wouldn't be a miss in a a a mid-budget horror film. 
maybe a little better horror lighting on it and have made it, uh, made it work a bit better. But yeah, I like that. It's another one where <clears throat> you're going to get Dwight Schultz on. And if we look at the episodes, like the first few, Hollow Pursuits, Nth Degree, they really got the money's worth out of him. Yeah, he was yeah. star of the show, centre of attention. These last couple, I mean, Realm of Fear, yeah, he was there most of it, but he, d- he didn't do a lot of... It was quite a restrained performance, where this one is he, barely in it, really. Um, so yeah, it, it, it seems a bit... Maybe they just... Like, maybe it was yeah, like, we want to get him back. Like, why is your guest star? Why haven't you got a story about your guest yeah, star? Yeah, like, maybe it was just, you know, we want to get him back before season seven wraps up. This is the only time he's available, so... We'll fit yeah. him into whichever episode, but um, well, uh, you, you like you did used to get though that also you had stars and celebrities asked to be on oh, Star yeah. Trek and they get little roles written for them. Yeah, definitely. Like Diamond was written because Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be on Star yes, Trek. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like you have it quite quite a lot of people have been on Star mm. Trek and they have little roles because they've asked to be so. I can see why maybe the first time they asked it, he's asked, and they've done a Barclay-centric yeah. episode, and maybe the second time. But by third or fourth time, it's, well, yeah, you can... We've got this story coming up, and, yeah, we can work it for... Work you into it, but you're not going to be the main star. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's great to see him and everything, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. I mean, obviously, he comes back in Voyager, so this isn't the last we see of Barclay. Um, d- data, then. What we'll do is we'll make a spray out of Councillor Troy's pheromones to lure Worf away. Like, if we say it quick and move on, it's fine. It's so minging when you think about what's actually going on there, like... You've got this monster wharf who's basically trying to shag Troy as a fish. And they're like, well, let's make yeah. a, a spray of a, a pheromone so we can make it think she's... Oh, it, I mean, it's horrible if you think about it. But anyway, that's what they do. <laughs> um, Picard gets to do his diehard impression again, crawling round the, the vents and everything. Yeah. Uh, but he's devolving now, isn't he? And he's yes. Into, is it a vol? So he's really scared of everything. Or a pygmy or something, they say. Yeah. And it, it, the furthest we see of it is he gets, like, these welts on his arms and that's about it. But he manages to electrocute Worf in the the thingy, yeah. the Jeffrey's cube, which is pretty cool. And then we wrap up really quickly. Data's got the cure. He sends it out through the air vents. Everyone's okay, but Barkley thinks it's his fault, but they go, no, don't worry, it's actually Beverly's fault, so you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, it's my fault, I should have I should have realised. Well, we have a, I think we've established this this episode, and don't get me wrong here, because I'm a big fan of Dr. Yeah, Cushman, yeah, I, I think she's really good, but this episode, they make her look really incompetent. Yeah, they do, they do. And we, we've had a bit of a, a run of episodes where she's not come across at her best, unfortunately. Yeah. We'll do yeah, some... We might, have to have a, we might have to have a look at some uh, good Beverly Crusher some good, episodes. Some good, yes. Yeah, we're not going to do um, that one with the candle. Like Sub Rosa. Yeah, I'm going to say, we're not, uh, if we're doing a good Beverly <laughs> episode... Um, so we back, might throw that in somewhere. Yeah, well, we will have to do. I think that's uh, film it at the pub 
episode is Sub Rosa. That's yeah, not watching. Um, not watching yeah, that. We might so, just do a long live stream from the pub and yeah. slag off a lot the really bad episodes. Yeah, I think so. We'll bump, yeah, run. we'll bump them all together and just run through them. That's a good idea. <coughs> so moving on to DS Nine, then we've got the alternate or the alternate. Uh, well, we do finish. Up. I I quite like how this episode finishes. Go on. How how Doctor Crusher names the disease after Barker. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and then and Troy's there, and then Troy sort of suddenly real, realizes what's happened, and sort of, oh, I need to clean my schedule for the next few weeks. Yeah, this is going to be a big one. The plexing, <laughs> and, and that's where it ends. Yeah, the plexing that I showed last week ain't going to work. That that's one of the no. lines that if this had been done in the original series, if the episode had finished, I better clear my schedule for the next few weeks. It'd have been one of them classic TOS endings where they all just stand on the bridge and go, ah, ha, 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 and they're all yeah. slapping each other's back. <laughs> It'd have been one of them. <laughs> yeah, it would. TV has moved on a little bit since the 60s, and we don't do that. But they, they were good. They were cracking endings to some of the episodes. <laughs> anyway. Well, it wasn't sure the camaraderie it did. between all it the bridge crew. Exactly. Uh, so the alternate Deep Space Nine, um, as I say, we're looking at this one because it's a very Odo-centric episode and it does have ties to later Dominion episodes, so that's our excuse and we're sticking with it. Um, so we start off with Quark selling um, pieces of what he says is the late Great Plague, who's a Ferengi businessman. And we find out... Who went um, to... Like, we were talking about this, weren't we, a couple of weeks ago? And this is the the Ferengi who give uh, the holodecks to all these places. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. And so I love this idea that when Ferengis die, they sell them, they break up the body yeah. and sell them off. And I think there's a later episode, isn't there, where Quark tries to do it. And it's a way yeah. of trying to pay off your debts while you're alive is you pre-sell your dead body to people. Uh, it's just great. <laughs> I love some of the stuff they do with Ferengi. And yeah, uh, like I like when, when Odo's questioning him about it. Yes. And all that, and he goes, well, it's got the seal of uh, Ferengi dismemberment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's good enough for anybody, is that? <laughs> so, yeah, brilliant. Great opening. And then we meet Dr. It's M- not Plague. Yes, not plague. <laughs> and we meet Dr. Mora, who... This is one of these actors who he's been in Star Trek no end of times. Uh, I think he's called James Sloyan, and he was also... He played the future Alexander in... I forget the name of the episode, but the one where Alexander comes back from the future. It's one of the the really late TNG episodes. Birthright or something... Um, but anyway, so... Oh, yeah. He, he plays that one. He played Jatrell in season one of Voyager. And obviously he's got this recurring role here as Dr. Mora. And straight away, I think we'd heard earlier on, haven't we, that Odo modelled his hair on the Bajoran that found him. And sure enough, yeah. we see that Dr. Mora's got Odo's hairdo. So that's really cool. And... The, there is a really nice scene with, and Mora calls Odo on it later on, where Quark is trying to big Odo up to Dr. Mora because he thinks 
is important to him. He's also trying to get himself out of trouble because he's going, oh, well, oh no, we're going to start a fraud inquiry from me. But but he, he is well, trying to make Odo it, look it, good. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's like we do know that Quark is crooked, but is Quark actually guilty here? Because he says he's got No, I don't think he is. I think he's been... things and he goes, I bought them in good faith. <laughs> yeah, I think he's been done here. I think it's probably Plague that sold him it, you know, through back channels. It's pro- Yeah. Plague's probably trying to make money selling his own dead <laughs> dead body parts. But <laughs> And straight away, Mora's relationship with Odo's really interesting. Like, immediately, he starts off being really analytical of him. He's talking about... His appearance, like, oh, you, you're still struggling with the ears, but you look better overall than you did. And he's talking about his psychology, like, you know, you, you want to be a policeman. And so it's interesting. He's almost talking about him in, in the end as a third person, as if Odo's not there. Yeah, he's still, he acts like, I mean, Quark says, oh, you're Odo's dad. Um, and Odo's like, he's not my dad, but. Dr. Mora acts like he wants Odo to think of him as his dad, but he is treating him like a thing rather than a, a person at this point. Yeah, he's it, it, still, tr- still treating him like a specimen. Yeah, exactly. And, like when he's walking around him and going, oh, you still haven't got the ears quite right. And yeah. This and that, very good. It's... But it sounds almost as if he's speaking to an audience studying it. Yes, he does, and it's which I could, uh, which sort of explains why Odo's back goes up around him. Yeah, absolutely, because it's it when you've got that sort of father-son power dynamic. If the one who's in the father role is immediately critical of the one who's in the son role, it's really dispiriting, and he's all. He's doing it in a way that if you just took on the surface what he's saying, it doesn't seem that bad. But it's the impact that it has on Odo that... And I think he's aware of that. I think he's trying to get a reaction out of him. I don't think he's... Yeah. He's an, an evil character or, you know, a nasty character. But I do think he's totally blinded by this idea that he has to research him, that he's not seen him enough as a person. And obviously that's yeah. going to get really explored in this episode. Um, so they, they end up heading off to the Gamma Quadrant. He basically thinks he's found what could be Odo's homeworld or where Odo originated from. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's not. But um, oh, well, it could be, I suppose. Yeah, like... He tells him that he's detected some sort of radiation or signal yeah. that matches something that he detected when they first found Odo. But you he know, can't get he can't get permission to go from the Bajorans for months and months. Yeah. So he needs and Odo. So it's to, come to Odo to pull some strings. Fair play. Because at this point in the series, Cisco were giving out runabouts at drop of a hat, wasn't he? Everyone could have a runabout if you had an idea. Yeah. Um this would have been a good point, and we said this when we looked at Vortex. If Odo had kept that necklace with the shapeshifty thing in it, that this would have been a great opportunity for Dr. Mora to go, what's that? Or even Odo to say, what do you think of this? And have a conversation yeah. like, oh, it's similar in genetic structure, and maybe that came from here as well. And 
It, you know, I just think that's a, a plot thread they shouldn't have dropped, but... Yeah, like, at this point, it's starting to look like there's going to be numerous species of shapeshifters. Yeah, potentially. It's actually quite... <coughs> it, it, that it's quite a common occurrence in the Gamma Quadrant. And, you know, it, in the broader Star Trek universe, there are more than one species of shapeshifter. We've we've met a yeah. few already by this point, but... Um, yeah, specifically Odo's species, it is implied that maybe, yeah, there's more than just the one. Uh, there's a bit on the runabout, which, again, shows this thing with Dr. Mora. Like, he's talking he's talking to Dax about Odo, and at first it's almost like a proud parent. Like, he say, oh, you know, Odo could do... He did this and he did that, and, uh, and then Odo takes over the story... But then Dr. Mora jumps back in and won't let him finish the story. It's like, no, you're not telling it yeah. right. You, Odo says, I'd never seen it. He says, no, seen isn't right. And he won't let Odo tell his story in his own words. So you're getting both sides of it. You're sort of getting the proud parent, but also the parent who's putting his kid down in the same conversation. So, yeah, he's an interesting character. And... They find this obelisk then, and a, a small silicon-based thing. And again, this would have been a good point to bring back that necklace. Like, oh, it's the same genetic makeup as whatever that is inside the necklace. Oh, oh it's 99.9% the same. Yeah, you know, that would have been good. But the, the obelisk is something that we do see again in Deep Space Nine, so this is his justification. Um, there's an earthquake and the gas and everything... And they get back to the station. Dr. Mora's ill, and we get this really interesting conversation where Cisco talks about his dad. Now, this really sounds like Cisco's dad's dead. From the way this conversation goes, like he says, you know, when my father was ill, so past tense, he's had an illness. Yeah. And he says, and ultimately I realised there was nothing I could do to help him. But we meet Joseph Cisco. Two seasons yeah. later. Maybe it's one of those things that at the time they thought... I think so. ...they'd play Cisco's as if he had lost his dad and then... Yeah, I think so. It's one of those, like, well, we'll, cha we'll change it. We haven't actually said he's dead. That's it. It's... We only had these couple of lines. Yeah, it, I mean, he as good as says he were dead. The, the way it's framed and the way it's delivered and everything... Yeah, the way it's said is... It, it strongly implies that he's dead. Um, I mean... It's almost funny sort of looking back on it because if if someone, a friend of mine or someone I worked with said all this to me, I would assume their dad was dead. And then if his dad turned up on the station, I'd be like, hang on, you were just bullshitting me then when Dr. Mora was ill and you gave me all this stuff about your dad. And then what's Cisco yeah. going to do? Say, so, well, I never said he were dead. I only said he were ill. We're like, yeah, come off it, Cisco. But yeah, I think it's it's one of those where they've decided further down the line, you know what, it's more interesting if his dad's not dead. And we get a great character yeah, out of it. To be so. fair, Joseph Sisko is a really good character. Exactly. So I'm happy to let it go for us to get to keep keep Joseph Sisko because he is very, very good. Um, the, the life form then, we'll call it the life form, seems to escape and trash the lab. And there's a great exchange between Dax and Cisco. Like Dax says, I don't believe it. And Cisco says, good, so find me a better theory. 
I really like that. I like how much how well they work together and how much faith Cisco has in Dax, you know, like yeah, you get on well, it, Dax. This is the, this is played from the very start, isn't it? Yeah. Cisco's known Curzon. And Curzon's oh, yeah. a mentor, mentor, so he does have a lot of faith in Dax. Yeah, definitely. He doesn't he doesn't view it. View her as a young Starfleet officer. No, not at all. He knows what she's capable of and Judzia, even divorced from the Dax symbiont, is a very capable person, but with all the Dax stuff as well. Yeah. And then last, uh, in Genesis, we got Picard doing his John McClane impression, and we get O'Brien getting in on the act a little bit in this one. He gets to do a bit of crawling round, but it's less... No, I like I like this with O'Brien, and O'Brien's going through and he's there. If anyone sees my wife, don't tell her I did this. Yeah. Because that... later on tonight she'll go, how was your day? And I'll just go, it was fine, honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, this, I think, is less diehard. This is more alien. This is like that scene where Dallas is crawling through the the corridors yeah. and they've got the tracker. And Yeah, I, I think it's deliberate. So it's very, very much like it. And if you're going to do an homage to... A claustrophobic. Well, it's even the part where he pulls the grill down and and stuff falls on him. Exactly. Yeah. That's when Dallas. That's when Dallas gets killed. Yeah, that's when the aliens <laughs> there and yeah. Yeah. So you know, if you're gonna do it, steal from the best, definitely. And yeah. I have no pro. I have no problem because I I really like this and it and you can see why you'd have O'Brien doing it because O'Brien knows his way around the conduits. Yeah. And O'Brien. And has... we know that. O'Brien's had a military background and... Yeah. And he's a good guy to put in all the horrible situations as as we discover with the Torture O'Brien episodes later in the show. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do a mini-season on them at some point and just look at all the abuse O'Brien gets. Oh, uh, and we find... some of it. Oh, it is, yeah. It's, but it was because they loved Cole Meany that much that they were like, we're going to give him... We're going to really <laughs> put him through the ringer every season, at least once a season. Uh, so they find the life form. The life form's dead. O'Brien gets slimed. And they say it couldn't survive in that environment, basically. So to all intents and purposes, that's gone. The the can't be. The shapeshifter's gone. So what else could be going on? And Bashir has a little... What I think's a bit of a creepy monologue, really, when he's talking about Dax, and he, he's like, one day I'll stop chasing her, then we'll see. And he's like, all right, yeah. that's a bit, bit pervy, Julian. Like, calm down. Well, to be fair, to be fair, he is chasing her massively. Oh, he is, yeah. And she does. In the series still. And he's not wrong. It does wrong. stop, does. It does. It does stop, does this. But yeah. Thankfully. And but he's played as, like... A young officer who's got the hearts and he's seen her. And, you know, who could blame him? I mean, you know. Yeah. But it it, uh, it does come across a bit in bordering into creepy territory, but he is right to an extent. Dax does admit that she does enjoy the attention and does enjoy him yeah. chasing her, so fair play. Let's be let's be fair here, though, but in the, at the end, Bashir does get Dax. Yeah, yeah, eventually. He does win. Eventually he does, yeah. Um, and then we get a cool scene where, like, the shapeshifter thing attacks Bashir. And 
I love the way Alexander Siddig sort of delivers the lines when he when he's all stressed out. He's like, emergency, emergency, intruder, alerts. <laughs> it's just a really <laughs> weird way of doing it. His voice just changes completely. Uh, but again, it's a good horror-tinged sequence. And we get Odo investigating and everything. And Dr. Moore is starting to work out what's what's actually going on, I think. But Well, we we get we get Dax who's studying it, don't we? She's studying the yeah. DNA and all that of and there's a there's been a residue left by whatever's been attacking. Yeah. And then she's got sample of the of like this dead life form. Yeah, and they work out it's not... Say, no, it's two different life forms, is this? Yeah, and that's when... The Mara... cousins, they're similar. They've got similarities, but the cousins. And you can see it in Dr. Maru's face when he looks at the screen when she goes... Oh, oh yeah, he works just it. down the DNA. And it comes on screen and Dr. Maru knows immediately what it is. Yeah, he knows. And he keeps it to himself for reasons that we'll talk about in a second, but... There's some good bits leading up to it, like Dr. Mora talks about how they call him Constable and Odo's like, oh, it's just a nickname that I put up with. And he's like, no, it's a sign of affection. It shows they care about yeah. you. And he does say that he's he's proud of him and he admits to Dax how much he cares for Odo, but not to Odo at this point. And, you know, it's all this not talking to each other, not expressing your feelings is what causes all the problems in this episode, basically. And this is when Mora, I think, really does go too far because he uses the knowledge that this thing is Odo to try and manipulate Odo to coming back with him. You know, he's like, have you got any unsolved crimes on the books? It could have been you. And I yeah. don't think he really thinks that. But he knows how committed to justice and everything Odo is. So he's trying to get him somewhere where it'll hurt, you know, you could be committing yeah. crimes, the one thing that you you devoted to trying to stop, and they're going to put you in a zoo and all this, and it basically... Yeah, like, now, I think this is a bit harsh because we do find out later that Odo literally was a zoo. Yeah, exactly. It, when he was with Dr. Maru. It was put on display for the Cardassians and... Yeah, exactly. He did the, the Cardassian neck trick that they reference loads of times, which I'd love to know what yeah. it actually is. But anyway. Well, I assume that he just changes his shape yeah. so he's got the yeah, Cardassian Yeah, he makes neck. it. Yeah, I would guess That's so. what I've always assumed that is. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and then, yeah, Odo basically snaps at this point. He breaks down and we find out that Odo has been the monster and Dr. Mora goes to... To ops and tells him no he's he's aware of me he was trying to rescue <coughs> that thing from me because he didn't want me to experiment on it like i did on him and yeah. he he's hostile towards me so he's going to act as bait and he finally realizes that he's been going about this the wrong way at this point and it's like i i've done this to you the way i've been treating you and yeah he's not wrong it's I think ultimately think? we decide that the gas the gas caused something in Odo, but all it did was Yeah, the gas the gas has caused Odo to sort of when he's unconscious that is sort of his subconscious yeah, that's mind is taking over. Exactly, and it's it's acting out on these things that he's feeling anyway. Yeah. 
and ultimately they do get out of his system and everything and um yeah the catch your door with some of the really horrible cgi yeah between two force fields it's it's not great like it isn't it it's like with uh, I just wish that they'd avoided that part. I can yeah, see why they did it. I but. can, because the thing is, when they introduced Odo as a shapeshifter, you're like, oh, we're going to see some incredible stuff, and the budget just wasn't there to do it. And no, that's why... They had the technology, because we'd had um, Terminator 2, so they'd shown that you could oh, do Oh, yeah, these. you could do it, but you needed a lot more money to do it but, on a regular basis. yeah. And it, it's a shame because can you imagine what they could have done with Odo on a, a like a TV budget now? And you oh. know, it'd be it'd be incredible some of the things they could do. Uh, but I like that Mora actually becomes <clears throat> self-aware enough at the end to say, you know, he he doesn't blame Odo. He's like, you had to speak in a voice loud enough for me to hear it. So yeah, he's admitting that I he's at fault here. You. Yeah, exactly, and he's like, no. and, and it's quite nice that um, Odo tells him that he like that he will keep in touch with him. Yes, exactly. So that, you, get, you get the impression they've built some bridges at this point, and then, yeah. and we do see Doctor Mora again, um, only once, but we do get him again. So the, this is followed up a little bit. Um, I think at the time I was a bit disappointed by this episode because. The, the trailers made it look like there was another shapeshifter. And obviously, you know, they want to yeah. save the twist that it's Odo, which is fair enough. But I was thinking, right, we're going to see a fight between Odo and another shapeshifter, and that's going to be awesome. And we do get that, but not until the season three finale. So at the time, I was a bit disappointed by it. But it's one that I, I, I like this episode a lot more now than I did when it was first on. So I was just disappointed at the time. But. Yeah. I think it's a decent episode. I think I think it's also that you probably got now that you know the whole story of yes. the Dominion yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that from DS9. That you can see how this how these little things do fit in and Yeah, definitely. I mean if you look at And and you can see like Yeah, like okay, Odo wasn't when Odo was found he was literally a liquid and then he yeah. learned to he started mimicking etc. But it was still sentient. Yeah, exactly. So it was a weird... And it, and it, we talk about it later. We will talk about the episodes later. But that it was experimented on. It was electrocuted to make him yeah. change shape and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And So that, there's no wonder he's got resentment. Oh, definitely. And you can, you can extrapolate that to how the founders feel about solids in general, you know. It, yeah. How Odo feels here is a miniature version of, of <coughs> what they feel like and they they run with their inhibitions and, they you know, they set up uh, an empire, basically, so that they don't yeah. have to be in that position again. So, yeah, it does, it does fit in nicely with what we find out later on. Um, so next time we're going to carry on with Barclay, but we're... We've, in a roundabout way, we've worked our way back to Voyager again. So we're going to look at projections from Voyager, which is the first appearance of Barclay in Voyager or a version yeah, of Barclay, and, but and we'll good, talk about that. The good that. thing, with when we go to Barclay with Voyager, 
We go back to holodecks as well. We, uh, exactly, yeah. Projections is a very good hologram holodeck episode. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to look at the last of the prelude to the Dominion War. We're looking at Shadow Play, which is the last... Is it the last? It's the last mention of the Dominion before we actually meet someone from the Dominion, so... Right. We're nearly there. We're nearly actually at the arrival of the Dominion. Um, which I don't... Yeah, I don't think we've done bad. I don't, we could have We could have gone even further. We could have included anyone from the Gamma Quadrant and done Alamorane, but we'll save yeah, that we one for the... Yeah, we decided that that might be a pub episode That might as be well. a pub episode, definitely. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can send us a message on Twitter. We're at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can come and join the Facebook group. Just search for Retrek on Facebook. Check out on YouTube. Elliot's got his um, Starship modelling page on there, starting work on the, the Voyager now. And the yeah, Enterprise Retrek is looking outstanding. And Enterprise has one or two more videos to come, but... They're going to be a bit, a bit till I get to them because it's building a big base and stuff. Awesome, but um, yeah, it's looking... my woodworking skills are brilliant. <laughs> looking good, but uh, yeah, I put a video out this week for Voyager with a weapons test. Yes, I saw that. The, the some of the electronics that are going in. <laughs> brilliant. So yeah, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the retrek. Thank you. Bye bye.